we thankful for his presence this morning? Aren't we thankful for his presence this morning? Amen. Amen. Woo. Crosswalk, you guys rock. Um, if you're visiting with us today, even if you've been here, just a quick review. We're in the middle of a series called No Outsiders. Now, that title for me speaks within itself, especially for who Crosswalk is. No Outsiders. And that means not some, not a few. That means none, zero. Here's what I will tell you this morning is in this review, we've talked about a few things. One we've talked about in week one, we talked about all are welcome to the waters. Everyone is welcome to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. In week two, pastor talked about all have spiritual gifts, right? We all have spiritual gifts. Then last week we talked about all are one body. I love some of you. Um, some of you sent me, yeah, I'm the gallbladder. That was awesome. <laughs> I personally am the appendix. And some of you, I think it was Scott sent me one that said, he's the third toe on the right foot. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. The spleen, we got that one too, right? Um, so that's been fun. But today we're going to talk to you about all are called to love. Amen? So first we're going to talk about how we define love as people often. Um, love is something we're all looking for, right? Even when we find it, we're still trying to look for it in a lot of other places. And love is a word we use a lot. Sometimes I feel like we maybe overuse it. I know I overuse it. I say I love Mexican food. I love uh, peanut butter. <laughs> I love ice cream. I don't know why everything I love uh, is food. But um, I know everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Um, we all have things we love. We say we love uh, uh, pasta. We love the movies. We love football. We love the Cowboys. No one says they love the Patriots, I don't think. Um, we say, I love chocolate. I love shoes. Yes, amen. That's right. Man. I knew I'd hit it one. I knew I'd hit it somewhere through the list. But sometimes it feels like maybe we use those words so, we use love in those contexts so often that it minimizes the real value of the word. It, it starts to lose what it could really mean. So that when we say things like, I love my wife or I love my son, or I love God, it starts to lose its value. It doesn't seem like those things should be put in the same category as Mexican food and ice cream and peanut butter. And love is a word that's used, it, it's popular in the arts, it's popular in music, it's popular in movies. Hello, can I say Hallmark? <laughs> and y'all can sit there and shake your head. I know you watch Hallmark too. If you come to my house, Hallmark is on. A lot. It's really true, y'all. Because I always know it's going to have a happy ending. Usually Jeff gives me the plot of the whole show like five minutes into it. And he and Owen say there's four phases to it. But here's the ending. They fall in love, right? In music, I remember uh, when I started out, weddings I would do a lot of weddings. I'm so glad I don't do many anymore. But when I started out, weddings were great, sort of. You wouldn't believe the songs that you would sing, right? Uh, especially with some of my favorites, believe it or not, where love songs are like, you say it best when you say nothing at all. What? <laughs> Think about that. Or, hey, isn't it amazing what a prayer can do? I had to sing that one too, no joke. Then I had to do, believe it or not, Naughty Girls Need Love, too. I had to do that one one time, too. 
I'm serious, y'all. That is not, that is for real. Um, in church, no less. I remember the pastor looking at me. I'm just doing what the bride asked me to do. I have no idea what the background is with that. But here was the deal. It was all about love, right? And yet what's interesting to me is that a word that we love so much and a word filled in so many places, there seems to be a whole lot of hate. Facebook. And sometimes we may post our hate, but sometimes we ignore and that's the same thing. Look at someone who was happily married, and, and I've had many of these friends, and some of you have too, that, I mean, it is blissful until the day they divorce. And then it is so bitter. In an instant, there's hate. So today we're going to turn back to Paul's letter in Corinthians um, and, and see if maybe Paul can help us figure out how we are all called to inject a little more love into the world. Um, last week, we uh, read from uh, Corinthians chapter 12, the past two weeks, and this week we're going to start into chapter 13. But as you remember, the uh, community in Corinth, the church in Corinth was a diverse community. They were coming to Christ from all different directions. And as a result, they all had kind of different opinions about how things should work, about what their value was, about what their gift was that they brought to the table. And when that happens, sometimes there's some tension, right? People don't always get along. They all have different ideas about how things should work. And so Paul's letter is to start helping them see how they can all work together, how each of their gifts are important, how what, where they come from, the backgrounds they bring all add value. And so at the end of the last, at the end of chapter 12, you may remember at the very end, he said, yeah, you've all got gifts. You all come from different places, and I want you to work toward those gifts. I want you to seek those gifts. I want those to be ingrained into your life. But the approach you've been taking, I may have a better way for you. And so that leads us into chapter 13. Now, chapter 13 is going to be very familiar to everyone in this room. If you've ever been to a wedding, this scripture is uh, standard fare at a wedding. But we're going to look at today is that maybe Paul had a different idea when he wrote this than to teach us how to have great marriages or great relationships or to love one another as individuals. Paul's talking to this community. And so when you hear these words today, I want you to think about it differently than you have in the past, about two people loving one another. I want you to think about it as a community and how this community was called to love. So we're going to start at uh, chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. A lot of times when we do talk about love, we talk about love as an emotion, right? How do, how do I feel? And, and it's interesting because we usually have, I call it a love-o-meter, right? Because usually we can tell, oh, that person's going to reach about 40% of my love-o-meter. <laughs> oh, that person's going to hit 100%, maybe even 110, it just may blow the top of it off. But all of us, we kind of set, in a way, an event that God didn't intend for it to be an emotional thing, Right? But Paul wrote in Greek, and this is the cool part. This is, this, I want to read this to you because I love this part. He wrote in the Greek where there were a lot of words that described emotions or feelings that we give to love. But Paul doesn't use any of those words. Do you hear me? Paul doesn't use any of those words, and neither do most of the writers in the New Testament. They use the word agape. which doesn't describe an emotion at all. It's totally unconditional. It's coming as a free gift, and I love this part. (laughs) It's not because the beloved deserved it, but it's because the lover chooses to give it. It's agape love. Agape love is when you choose to act in the best interest of another person, whether you feel like it or not. Agape love is when you choose to get down from the supper table and wash your disciples' feet. Agape love is when you choose to lay down your life for people who don't even care who you are. Agape love is the way God loves us. And the way God calls us to act towards others as well. And so when Paul wrote about agape love in the letter to the Corinthians, he wasn't talking about that emotional love that we feel between one another. He was talking about the love of the body of Christ and how we choose to live and represent God's love to the rest of the world. That we live the way God lived, the way that God demonstrated love, and the way that Christ lived out his love for us. So I had Pocket bring this cool instrument in. Right? I don't play it as pretty as Pocket, do I? (laughs) And that's probably really annoying, right? If I hit that again, it is to me. The only thing worse than that to me is a tambourine. (laughs) If you've been in a Pentecostal church, you'll get that on the way home. Um, But seriously, the Bible says if we don't love, that's what we sound like. That's what we sound like. Spiritual gifts, they're meaningless without love. The body of Christ, we can build things. We can build wheelchair ramps. We can go to functions and eat dinner together. And we can build missions together. We can build churches together. But if we don't have love, it's pointless. Love is that thing which if a church has it, it doesn't need much else. But if it doesn't have it, empty. So when we look at this description description Paul gives us, uh, we're not talking about emotions. We're not 
this description doesn't say when you know love, your heart goes pitter-patter or your knees go weaken or, or you swoon when that certain person walks through the door. God's telling us that this is the love you know when you're giving it. This is how you recognize when you're giving love. But Paul doesn't provide this description as a list of do's and don'ts or commandments that says, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do this, and you'll show love. I want you to do these things so you'll go be loving people. That's not the point of this list. This list is more about how we recognize when we're truly reflecting God's love. This list tells us if we see these in ourselves as a community of faith, we know we're responding with God's love. Paul is essentially holding up a mirror to us and saying, look in this mirror and what do you see? Do you see agape love? Do you see God's love? Do you see the way Christ loved us? Mm -hmm. Or do you see a clanging symbol? So uh, Wednesday this past week, um, one of the things I, I very seldom when, when I'm here at the church, I don't get away very often, but this past Wednesday I decided, okay, this is a crazy week. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. And so I disappeared for a moment and thought, okay, while I'm getting a cup of coffee, I'm going to get a protein box. If you know it, Starbucks, those are really good. So I am on the phone with Jeff, talking through a couple of things, hang up, grab my purse real quick, and I walk in the door at the Starbucks right down the street. Now, I'm, I don't know if I should tell this or not, <laughs> but I know everybody in there. <laughs> I know their names. I know who they are. Some of them are related. Some of them are not. But this particular day, there's a gentleman standing behind the register I had never seen before. And if I were guessing, he were probably in his late 50s, early 60s. And before I could reach, halfway through the middle of the store, he looks up at me. And there's only one person over in a corner. So it was empty. And he says, you're a Christian, aren't you? I'm like this. Because <laughs> at that moment, I wanted to go, I'm just here for a protein box and a coffee. Right? You're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, well, my Christian friends tell me you wouldn't like me very much. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, uh, I don't know you. And I said, but here's the deal. It doesn't really matter what they think about you because God loves you. And God loves you right where you are. And I said, I apologize for any Christian that's made you feel unloved. I apologize for any moment that you've been made to feel like you are unlovable. I said, but I promise you. And I said, you don't know me, so you don't have to trust me, but I will make you a promise. God loves you. Right where you are. But as we see, uh, for some Christians, that's hard. It's hard for us to live so selflessly. When we hear this description that Paul gave us, we think, how can we possibly live up to that expectation? And the truth is that as individuals, we probably can't. In fact, we can't. It would be impossible. In fact, it would be a miracle for us to live up to that 
description that Paul gives us. It would be one of those miracles like, you know, you had to be born in a manger to a virgin in Bethlehem, that kind of miracle. Because this love is a description of God's love. This is how we know how God loves. This shows us how God provides love to us. And how we should try to model it. And how we should try to reflect that love in everything we do. One of the things that I love about my husband is he's always that person in the body of Christ that can make anything organized. Like anything. I'm not kidding. Like what most people look at and it's crazy chaos, he can take something and make it come to life and, and, and organize it. And I love that when the scripture talks about love bears all things, I've seen him over and over and over again bear all things. And I'm thankful for that example of love and the body of Christ that I get to live in. And I know that many of you have special gifts that you get to share and special things that you bring to the body, which is similar to what we talked about last week. But you know what separates the gift is when you decide to use the gift in love. There's a difference in when I've watched Jeff uh, give a million times. It's selfless. It's not to look at me. It's not because I want the world to know how talented I am. It's literally everything I've seen him do is to build something up so that people see Jesus and what he's doing. Because we know that if you see Jesus, you're going to see love. That's the best Hallmark movie there is. <laughs> and sometimes it's not always easy because uh, sometimes we have to love people we don't agree with. <laughs> sometimes we have to love people we don't agree with, people <laughs> we don't like, or maybe people who don't like us. But that's because God has a sense of humor. Why is that? I, I, I'm, I'm convinced. Y'all, when we were talking about love today, I thought... Stan is trying to teach me a lesson. Because Did you do this with me? No. Oh. No, but because think about it. We can say all day that we love someone, but I don't know about you, Jeff, but when we sit down to do this, how convicting it was for me. Because I'm thinking, do I really love with agape love? Or do I love with a love meter? How do I love? And that's why it's important that as a body of Christ, we work together. Because that's the way we can truly reflect God, God's love. We can't do it individually. We can't do it alone. We have to do it together. And that's why Paul's talking about the body of Christ. And what's interesting, too, is that do you know that love is one of the only things God commanded us to do? Like, he ain't playing. This is what he says. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. He didn't say, now here's what I want you to do. He says, you shall. And that you is not being specific. That's everyone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Ooh, and then here's the hard part. And love your neighbor as yourself. All the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. What I ate, what I wore, 
even my Hallmark TV shows, who I've loved, who I haven't loved, none of it matters if I'm not following in the commandment of what God asked me to do. I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl, the thing I hated the most is for my dad to look at me and go, I'm disappointed in you. Randall, I would have rather got a beating than my father look at me and tell me I'm disappointed in you. My dad was like 6'5 and a big old teddy bear. And when that would happen, I mean, I would just melt and tears would fall. And I didn't know what to do with that. I don't want to disappoint my God either. I want to do what he's asked me to do. And I want to do it in a way that's not something I, I dread doing, but it's something that I want to do. I want to love. I want to give. And I don't want to be a clinging symbol. I don't want to be something that talks a good talk but doesn't walk a very good walk. Love bears all things, hopes all things. And then when you get to the end of it, it says this. It says, but the, there's faith, there's hope in, the, in love, but the greatest of these is And as we get ready to close, one of the things that I was telling Jeff this week is that what I've realized is that Love is an act of faith. Sometimes you love when you don't know. You don't know how this is going to turn out. You don't know what this is going to be. You don't know how this is going to go. But what you do know is that if you do what God has commanded you to do, the rest of it will come together, right? Then I know that hope, hope comes that if I leave behind those that disagree with me, those that don't like my opinion about things, they don't like the way I dress, they don't like my purple hair, if I leave them behind, then I am no different than the judgment that they gave me. If I leave them behind, then what hope do I bring? I'm just a clinging symbol. If I talk a really good talk and I build the best wheelchair ramp there is and yet I walk away from those that don't like me, I'm a clinging symbol. But we are called as a community. Not as two people. Not as a band. Not even as a church staff. But we are called as a community as a body of Christ, remember that's what we talked about last week, to use the gift and graces that pastor talked to us about the week before. We are called to love one another. There's faith. There's hope. There's love. But the greatest of these, the greatest of is love. Would you bow your head with me? Father, today we don't want to be a clanging symbol. We don't want to leave anybody out. Because we know that your perfect love casts out all fear. understand what your perfect love really is. 
It's not in how we feel. It's not even in what we see. But it's what we know. Father, there are no outsiders thanks to you. And those that stop us and say, hey, are you a Christian? We stand proudly and say, yes, we are. Because we can stand proud in that knowing that they are loved because of you, not because of me or anyone else, but God, because of the God that you are. Father, for this, we thank you and we give you glory and we give you honor and we thank you so much for your unconditional, undying, reckless love.